Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of Believe in South Carolina is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Now, time for Believe in South Carolina. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free! On the ground! South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do! Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome into a new episode of Believe in South Carolina. He is Nick Close. I am Mike Yuva, and Marcus Lattimore has the day off. But don't turn it off. Don't. Still a lot to talk about today. And uh, you might hear some weird sounds in the background. I'm actually in a parking lot outside Gillette Stadium right now covering the Patriots. And uh, the show must go on, though, Nick. You know, we got to talk about the Gamecocks here. Even though they're one and two. Even though they're coming off their worst loss to Georgia in program history, I'm not I'm not done with this team. I'm not surprised in some sense. We'll get into that in a little bit. But I am a little surprised in other areas. And we'll get into those specific details in just a little bit. I do want to bring up this, though, Nick. I want to bring it up right off the top. There was a lot of conversation after this weekend's game about the recruits that were there. There were over 40 recruits that were there. And of those 40 prospects, you had guys who have already verbally committed to South Carolina. And of course, you had five-star Nicholas Harbor there as well from D.C. Now, this does not speak for every player. But from the interactions that I've had with people close to the situation, as well as talking to a player directly, and we've actually had some stories on Gamecock Central about this, the feedback was really good. The feedback was really good. And I I know some are going to be like, well, naturally they're going to say that. Yeah, sometimes that is going to be the case. But hearing the exact words that came out of some of these prospects' mouths, one of which said, we noticed fans leaving. We noticed what that atmosphere was like, though, before they left. We want that challenge to make sure that they're not doing that. That's something that we want to do. So I say that because, look, certainly when you go out there and you see a team just kick you, kick, kick you in the teeth, they kicked you in the teeth, they kicked your teeth in, I understand why there would be frustration. Multiple reasons, but strictly speaking about recruits, because this is the reason why you need to go out and get the recruits. This is what Shane Beamer was hired to do two years ago. He's trying to change everything at South Carolina. Certainly, they had a great year last year, Nick. Okay, And even though they're, they're one and two with plenty of football left, this year is still building for that future. We knew that before the start of the season with all the hype. So I I, I wanted to bring that up first and foremost because I just hope people aren't losing sight of the bigger picture of it all. And the fact that you do have some of these prospects who are on campus this weekend, don't get your mind all clouded by thinking, okay, we're going to lose out on some of these guys. Certainly that can happen, but you know what? If a kid's going to make his decision off of one game, you don't want him there anyway. You don't mm-hmm. want him there anyway. I don't care who the kid is. So I, I, think, I think it was just very promising to hear that and just to remind people what the big picture is. It's not just this season. It's not just one game. You need to be able to keep in mind 
what is going on at South Carolina, even through some of the times where you're going to have some hiccups and speed bumps. Yeah, and I didn't. I honestly didn't know that. I I didn't know what the reception. I just hadn't seen yet what the reception was from those recruits. I can say as a fan, you know, there is concern when they come and it's a game like the game they had against Georgia and the fans leave really early. And it's just, it was a rough look this whole, we'll get into it, but this weekend was a rough look in general for South Carolina football. And um, it was just a tough game overall. So it's good to hear. And honestly, that speaks to the character of the kids that are being recruited to South Carolina, that they're not judging off of one game. And they're not, you know, like you said, if they're doing that, that's not exactly who you want on campus in the building anyways. So that works out, but it speaks a lot to their character to be like, Hey, we want to be the change. We mm-hmm. want to be what changes this team and what keeps these fans in the seats. Cause we know they, these fans can go crazy all four quarters. South Carolina didn't give them a reason to stay the whole game on Saturday, to be honest, they didn't. And so uh, that's, that's just good on the recruiting of Shane Beamer and South Carolina the type of guys that are coming in. And I totally agree. I'm not throwing this season out yet. I definitely have some bones to pick on, you know, the offensive side of the ball on defense as well. You know, just that overall game. Like I said, we will get into all that, but it's, it's the future. What you were talking about with the future, that's the big thing. Look at Shane Beamer's first real recruiting class, where that's ranked, the players in there, addressing the offensive line, addressing the defensive line, getting some studs at linebacker. Um, You know, those those things show that the future is still bright for South Carolina football. This is not uh, an end-all, be-all. To be honest, we're one and two. If you look at the first three games of our schedule – you know, if you said we were two and one, if you said we were three and zero, oh, you're being insanely optimistic. Mm-hmm. Arkansas is a very good football team. Georgia is a very good football team, a very good football team. That's why they're the number one team in the nation. So being one and two right now, you know, it's where they're supposed to be. Yes, there's a lot of things that need to be addressed and improved on as the season goes on if they want to make a bowl game or if they want to improve on last year's record, but definitely no reason to throw the season out yet and you just got to be patient with it and you know hopefully the changes that everyone wants to see that you're seeing on twitter you're seeing all over um are addressed and made and we've said this on this platform i've said it on gamecock central i've said it on other platforms i expected south carolina to be one and two i expected the offense to have numerous growing pains and that's something i said at nauseum all preseason. I don't want to begin with that, though. I don't want to sit here and say that because, first, excuse me, because people are going to be like, oh, you're just making excuses. So, okay, I'll put that to the side. We're going to get back to that. Because a lot of people are going to lead off with the offense. I'm going to flip it. We're going to talk about the defense. And the first thing I'm going to say is a negative. Then we'll do a positive, but then we'll do a negative, right? A little compliment, a little little, little sandwich action here, right? So here's the first negative I have. The perimeter, the play on the perimeter in terms of getting off your blocks has been atrocious. It's been awful. And when you look at the statistics and the fact that South Carolina is ranked right now 125th in the country, for rushing yards allowed, and they've allowed over 200 yards rushing in each of their first three games. I look to that. I look to that. Because what I've noticed, and it's even it's even more than that, really, because swing passes, screen passes, short passes out on the flat, that's all an extension of the run game. And it's going to create the same matchup. So, you know, you're running off tackle. You throw a screen pass. You throw something out in the flat. You're going to see those same matchups on the outside in terms of a cornerback. Sometimes it could be nickel. Sometimes it could be a safety. He's down in the box. 
could be an outside linebacker based on the situation and where they're positioned. But the bottom line is being able to get off your box. South Carolina has been atrocious at doing that. I know some will say, well, they're holding it. No, they're not. Stop that. All right, you can get away with saying that for one game, but when it happens three straight weeks and then it happens against a team like Georgia State, will you stop with that? Really? Stop with that. So that's the first thing I look at with the defense. The thing that does make me feel nervous about them and nervous about my preseason prediction with this team, who before the year I, I, I thought they'd get eight wins in the regular season. Right now, I'm leaning more so to seven. And it's not because of the offense, which we're going to get into. It's more so just because of the injuries that have took place and where they've took place and the question marks as far as depth goes. You need to be able to find someone that can, I don't even want to say replace Jordan Strong because you can't replace Jordan Strong, not when he's playing the way that he was playing. I mean, he was he was doing some good things. He had a sack in that game. I know he missed the sack, but he was right there. Mokaba was having a good start to the season. So I bring up that as, as a concern more than anything else. We've seen guys like Nick Eamon Worry step up and fill the role when his number was called. And that's the reason why he'll be starting this weekend. But Nick, injuries worry me about this team. They really do. Now, I guess I said I was going to do like a complimentary sandwich here or a negative sandwich, if you will. I guess here's the positive. Positive is you had five guys out last week, starters on defense. Obviously, two of those guys we just mentioned, Mokaba, George Strong, they're going to be done for the season. But I don't think what we saw last week against Georgia is a true representation of this defense because you did have so many starters out. Now, again, you're going to be down at least two starters from here on out. One of those other starters, at least this week, even if he is healthy, they're going to go with the freshman. So you have two other spots that, you know, Cam Smith was out. Nickel spot was banged up too. You need to be able to have those guys back in the lineup. And not just that, but you got to be able to develop some depth. And that's obviously a challenge right now for South Carolina because they're trying to work with what they have. There's a reason why they just continue to try to attack recruiting and the transfer portal the way they are. So I know that's a lot that I just brought up, but I feel like when you really look at what are the issues right now for South Carolina, it's like everyone keeps saying, oh, tackling, defense, this, that. Really look at it, though. It's perimeter blocking because if you cannot get off a block or you're getting off but you're not getting off the proper way and you're not putting yourself in the right position to make a tackle, you're going to see a lot of arm tackles. So that's something that has really stood out to me through three weeks. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, the perimeter play was – just obviously bad. And it was so frustrating watching that game because obviously, like we said, we'll talk about the offense, but after the offense goes three and out, or, you know, it was usually three and out pretty much the whole time. Um, then on defense, you're thinking at the beginning of the game when it's still seven, nothing, 14, nothing. You're like, all right, get a stop here. Well, it was literally impossible to get a stop. They threw a um, you know screen to the outside or ran it to the outside, and they were going to pick up five yards, five or more. It was they got to, South Carolina was able to get themselves to three and one multiple times, but you know you're watching that game, and you're there's no doubt that Georgia's gonna get the one. It, it's just and it was the same thing with Arkansas with the way they were running all over them. And I will say, you do have to account for how depleted South Carolina's defense was. Mm -hmm. Those injuries hurt. They they a hundred percent did. But I mean, I'm not. I don't want to sit here and act like I'm saying, oh, if South Carolina had their full defense, it would have been a different game. I don't think it would have been a much different game. Maybe they don't put up 48, but still a still a decent win, and Georgia 
kicks the crap out of South Carolina. I just think that's how it's going to go based on what I saw. Um, but obviously, I think those starters, if they were in, would have helped out a hell of a lot. So it definitely hurts those two being out for the remainder of the season. So that's obviously a concern. I do agree with you that the perimeter was probably the biggest problem. It is hard seeing those arm tackles and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was just, I mean, it was just a disappointing um, performance for the defense. Can't put it all on them, obviously, but also, you know, when you have five starters out, that's a, that's a tough thing to deal with. But, you know, what we saw last year is Beamer and South Carolina know they know how to deal with injuries. <laughs> so, um, hopefully they can overcome these the way they, you know, overcome, overcame injuries and, you know, a carousel of quarterbacks and all those things. So hopefully they can overcome that. I have personally more gripes with the offense, but I'll let you talk about that first. We're going to get to the offense in just a second. The one, there's one more issue I have with the defense and that's the lack of turnovers that they're producing. And I know this stat also includes offense, but South Carolina is plus minus the last two games, minus six, three turnovers in these last two games. They have not produced one turnover. You need takeaways. That's why South Carolina was as as successful as they were on defense last year and why South Carolina, quite frankly, why they were in the mix for a lot of these games. I believe that they led the SEC in takeaways last year. So I I say that because you need to be able to get back to that point. Offensively, and I don't know if my audio has changed up, so I apologize to people listening. Again, we're trying to make things work on the fly here. Unplug the old headphones here. So I got really nothing. I'm not really – I'm listening right from the laptop. People at home probably like, what are you talking, Mike? You can't see the video. I do that because I want to play up something. I want to play up something before we go into the offense. Now, for those of you that aren't aware, you've probably been under a rock because it's real easy these days. It feels like with Gamecock Twitter, when something happens, everyone finds out in a matter of minutes. There was a podcast that um, that's going on right now with Darius Rush and Josh Van. And there was a clip from that podcast that has kind of made its way its way around on social media a little bit. Now, I want to give credit to Darius and Josh in, in terms of the name of the podcast. Completely cocky. You guys can go find them and ask them questions and talk Gamecock football with them um, each week. And it's been really insightful um, to really be able to hear from these guys. I mean, this is obviously the new world of NIL, but you get a, a look of what's going on behind the scenes. And they control the narrative. It's not media members asking questions. So if you're not up to date as to what's going on, um, there was a comment made by Josh explaining a situation with the offense. And, uh, well, why don't you just take a listen? Um, I know it was one time, you know, not to not to bash the coaching, you know, coaching them like that, but, you know, it was like third down. Um, and we call it a play that we haven't went over in like three weeks. So, you know, mind you, as a player, you know, you got to know the whole playbook. So whenever something may get thrown on you to you, you can um, know what it is and you go out and execute line up fast. But at the same time, you know, we haven't went over it. So you can't expect, you know, in the heat of a moment for somebody to like recognize on the fly um, to know what to do. So, you know, it was just little, little simple mistakes from, from players and coaches, but like you said, you know, Arkansas is behind us. So I play that. I play that, Nick. And I had thoughts about it last night, and I still do. But I've I've looked at it slightly different because today Marcus Satterfield met with the media, and he was asked this question about his thoughts on this whole situation. So I haven't heard it yet. I've heard, I've seen quotes from it, but this will be the first time I'm hearing it. So we're all listening it, listening to it together. Take a listen. He came up here last night and... Was- and by the way, I want to just preface this. When he says he came up, he's talking about Jared, uh, Josh Van. 
Josh Van uh, is who he's talking about. He came up here last night and was like, I need to apologize to you. I was like, for, I thought he was talking about a route. I was like, oh, you're good, man. You're good. And then uh, he left. And then uh, someone had sent me a text. Not text. I was like, oh, that's what you were going to apologize about. I, I wish I'd have known that then. But no, I mean, that happens. That's, I, it's a, we have a series of plays in a certain formation. This is kind of a base play for us. They gave us the exact look that we wanted, or that we needed in order for that, that play to be successful. And I called it. And, uh, you know, we hadn't repped it in about three weeks. So I shouldn't have done it. But, you know, I, I can't promise you I won't do it again. I'll try not to. But uh, the, we have base plays that have to be able to carry over from week to week. So I share all this, Nick. I share all this. Because, look, at the end of the day, and I said this last night on GCO Live Talking Tuesday nights, this happens across the country with every team where players are going to say stuff about coaches that they don't necessarily agree with, right? Whether it be scheme, whether it be play, whatever the case may be. This happens every day, okay? This ha- Think about just the work field, right? You're working with someone. You're not always going to agree with everything they do. Think of a marriage. Think of a relationship. I didn't have an issue that that's how he felt. The issue was that he said it publicly, and I think he realizes that. After listening to that, Nick, before listening to Marcus Satterfield, my initial thoughts were, okay, if this is how he feels, he's not the only one. He's not the only one that feels that way. He's just the one that's coming out publicly saying it. After listening to Marcus Satterfield today, though, not that it's changed for me, Nick, but the only thing that I've, I've maybe added to it now is listening to Marcus say that's a base play. I agree with what Marcus is saying. You should know base plays. The issue is if you have a player, and obviously it's Josh. I'm not picking on Josh, just as an example. If you have a player that feels that way, what's just going on in terms of just being on the same page as an offense as a whole? Because this is just one example. That's what concerns me about this whole situation more than anything. It's not about Josh or a player speaking poorly of a coach because I don't think Josh's intent was that or the comments that were made. That's not the way I look at it. Some people will look at it that way. I'm not looking at it that way. I'm looking at it as there's some disconnect in that offensive room. And we've seen that out on the field we've seen that dating back to last season but to hear a player say that and then Marcus going up there and kind of explaining it I think it's just clear as day that there's just the disconnect and you need to be able to find a way to get this thing together because man if you can't figure it out this weekend against Charlotte and then SC State the next week you head right back into SEC play What's going to make you feel more confident about it if you cannot figure it out these next two weeks? I hadn't heard either of those clips. I saw the Josh Van one on Twitter. I just hadn't listened to it yet. Um, so I'm, I'm having my initial reaction right now. And first off, when you say disconnect, there's so obviously a disconnect. Josh Van has two receptions for eight yards this year. In three games. He was the leading receiver last year. Um, So I guess part of me isn't shocked that he's the one who's kind of saying something about the play. But also, I don't want I don't want. People to think I'm shedding a negative light on either Josh Van or Marcus Satterfield. I think actually. Josh Van apologized to Satterfield and. Mm -hmm. Satterfield handled it pretty well in the media, and he even said, you know, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. Can't say I won't do it again, but, um, it, it, you know, it didn't blow up. There wasn't anything crazy, so I agree with you there. There's nothing too much there. You know, this is NIL. This is a new world. Mm-hmm. Athletes can say things on podcasts and in the media when they want to, and, you know, that's that's their choice. And so I think they handled it well, and everything's all good, but... Yeah, it just there's obviously people aren't on the same page. 
And my first initial reaction to listening to Van be like, we were on third and whatever, <laughs> and they call this play. I'm like, I was thinking that when I'm watching the game, they're on third down and they're calling this play. Why are they doing that? Which I think a lot of Gamecock fans felt the same way um, with the way the play calling was uh, last Saturday. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think it, I agree with you. I don't think it needs to be too big of a deal. Van said it publicly. And when you say something publicly, you know, that thing gets around and people are going to make it a big deal. And, you know, the media is going to take it and some people might change the headline and try to make it something. But um, I think that I think what it really shows is, like you said, people just aren't on the same page in this offense. There is something, you know, communication it's a is big, not, not there. It's a big load of nothing. It really is. Because, again, this happens everywhere. The problem is, is that you said it publicly. You welcomed people into your house now, and they can see what's going on. Everyone has their issues with their family, right? Relationships, again, work. It's just that you don't air it all out. I mean, shoot. As I told you guys, I'm outside of Gillette Stadium covering the Patriots today. Bill Belichick spoke this morning, and you don't have to be here to know that Bill doesn't really want to throw too much stuff out there. He doesn't really want to give the media, or more importantly, just the outside media as well, but just the outside in general. So I say that because teams try to do their best with, keeping things in-house so that there's not added distractions, but more so so that stuff like this, the speculation, doesn't go on. Look, I know people have been very disappointed with social media lately in, in terms of Gamecock Twitter. How does this help recruiting? How's it... It's not everyone's job to wave pom-poms and say, go Gamecocks. It's not everyone's job to do that. So when there's stuff like this, it's newsworthy. Mm -hmm. It's newsworthy because, again, Marcus Satterfield addressed it today. So now you have both sides of it. Now it gives the outsiders, whether it be fans, whether it be media members, whether it be just people that like college football as a whole, it gives them a unique look on the inside of what's going on. And in this case... In this case, what it shows us is that there's a disconnect on offense. There's a disconnect. And it's like, look, we didn't even need to hear Satterfield say what he said today. We didn't even need to hear, starting with Josh Van, say what he said the other day to know that. It's evident based on what we're seeing on the field. Now, I'll go back a couple steps. I do feel like there have been improvements with this offense we've seen from week one to week two week three not a lot I, I did feel like the offensive line played a little bit better in comparison to week one and based on the yes yeah. they were going up against I felt like they did a better job in comparison to where they were week one but obviously it wasn't enough and again you're going up against the best defense in the country and look give Will Muschamp his flowers I said it the other night on Gamecock Central what he was doing from a defensive standpoint, you saw a lot of pre-snap um, movement. Saw the whole line shifting. Actually got South Carolina at a full start one time. But it was causing a lot of confusion. And for a team, going back to last year, more so last year, I haven't heard as much about it this year, so it would be – premature for me to say that it's the same case and say, all right, this is what's happening again. But last year they struggled with zone blocking. How do you create confusion with zone blocking? Pre-snap, you move around, you hop around a little bit. Where's the Mike linebacker? That shouldn't change a lot. But when guys are moving on the offensive line, I mean the defensive line, it changes blocking assignments. And that caused some headaches for South Carolina. I felt like they adjusted to some of it Good at times, but overall, still some headaches. But um, I think big picture, Nick, I felt like this offense would have these growing pains, 
because you have a new quarterback. You're trying to figure out what his strengths and weaknesses are in your offense. Spencer Rattler with Oklahoma, talented guy. Mm-hmm. Five-star recruit, could do this, could do that. Preseason Heisman list last year. What can he do in South Carolina's offense? You weren't going to find out week one. Week two, first SEC opponent, you weren't going to really know too much then. You'd see hopefully some growth from week one to week two. And then you have Georgia week three. It's just like I wasn't expecting this offense to do much the first couple weeks. The only thing I'm surprised about is, and it's as simple as the terms, and I hate using these terms, identity. What's their identity? It feels like they don't even know. It feels like they want to throw the football a little bit more. But oh. you have some talented running backs. I feel like they're just getting away from it all. So are they getting away from it because they just don't have confidence in their run blocking, in the zone blocking scheme? I don't know. But this is what we've seen. This is just the only thing that I can say based on what we've seen with, with, with my eyes, with a lot of people's eyes. So this next week's game against Charlotte, it's going to be telling because if you can't have success this week, Nick, if you can't have success this week offensively, I'm not talking about scoring 30, 40, 50 points. I'm talking about being able to go out there, have your scripted plays at the beginning of the game, execute those to a T, a T, because this should be a team that despite beating Georgia State last week, you should be able to take care of this team. You should be able to take care of this team. I want to see an offense that goes out there that knows who the hell they are. That's what I want to see this weekend. I think this is their chance to find themselves. You know, Charlotte, I'm pretty sure, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure they have one of the worst defenses in college football. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a great game to figure it out because, you know, I never really said it this way, but you, you, it clicked in my head the second you said it. They have no idea who they are. They have no clue. Hey, Nick, Between... just, for stat, just for stat for you, for Charlotte, we talked mm-hmm. about how bad the running defense is for South Carolina, who's ranked 120, uh, was ranked 110, what, 125 in the country. Gavin, speak over here. Mixing a water, Mike. Ranked 125 in the country for rush defense, allowing over 230 yards a game. Charlotte is ranked 129th, the third worst in the country, allowing over 243 yards a game. So, look. I understand you might want to pass the football. I understand you have a lot of skill guys, but this is the week you gain confidence back. And if you can't do it on the ground this week, I, I, don't, I don't know who you expect to. Colorado, Louisiana Tech, those are the last two teams. You know what's embarrassing? <laughs> you got Georgia Southern on there towards the end. You know, I'm just looking at some of these teams. It's like you have to be able to do it this week. You have, you have to, to be able to do it this week. You have to figure out right now because, like I said, they don't know who they are, and you saw that in Georgia. I mean, I just wrote down a few things from that Georgia game. First off, the pick by Rattler, that was – you could just tell he's not comfortable. And maybe it's the day he doesn't have the trust in the O-line yet. Me and Marcus talked about that last week. Mm-hmm. Um, like Stetson Bennett, Marcus said something. He, Stetson Bennett is like, you know, he says safe as a baby in a cradle. Just in the back, he is comfortable. He's happy. He could throw to anyone. No one's getting in. Um, Spencer, you with that for with that pick. I mean, and a lot of his throws, you can tell he's just not comfortable. He may not be comfortable in the offense, the offensive line. Uh, they're working on building that better. So he can feel safer in the pocket and make take the time to make the throws, but that was just a rough pick in general, and obviously put South Carolina behind extremely early. When I said this last episode, they could not let Georgia start fast and South Carolina start slow. They were never going to get back in the game, and we saw that they never got back in the game. Georgia ran ran away with it. Um, the play calling was very concerning, as a lot of people said. I mm-hmm. mean, to bring – I love to carry on Joyner. I'm so glad they want to bring him in more. I want him to play more. But why bring him in on 30, third and six to run a Wildcat when 
Spencer had just thrown a solid ball downfield and they got a first down. All right, now it's third and six. You're going to run a lot. Like, leave Spencer in the game. Let him build his confidence. Let him keep doing what he's doing and build off of that. Um, They also had multiple times where they ran. They had one time where they ran three straight plays. You know, first down, second, third, did nothing. It was like third and nine, I think, and they ran it. Um, so things like that, just I it I don't understand it, and the that needs to get better because, but it makes total sense. They don't know who they are, so how the how, it makes sense that the play calling is all over the place and kind of and just overall interesting and weird, um, because they don't know who they are. They don't know if they want to be a team that airs it out all the time. They don't know if they want to stick to the ground game, but like you said, and. I agree. Charlotte is the time to figure this out to, you know, discover who they are as an offense and just build some confidence, just build some confidence, you know, feel better about Spencer's skill because I will say, I don't think Rattler looks very comfortable in the offense. It hasn't been a good showing the past, mostly the past game, but you know, Mm -hmm. there's been some bad things in the other two, but his arm talent is still ridiculous. That has not changed. He's still mm-hmm. an extremely talented quarterback. Um, so th- they have the tools. They just need to figure out how to use them and what they need to do and the game plan there. So this week is where they figure that out. The best way I can compare it to with what I feel like we're seeing with Spencer Rattler, because look, there's going to be some people that say, all right, this guy is overrated. He's a bum, blah, blah, blah. He's not a bum. There's a reason why he was a preseason Heisman watchless name last year. I say that because he has the talent. Now, obviously, he's in a different situation here at South Carolina. That's the issue. That's the issue. Right? The best way, like I said, the best way I can compare it to is you have a new job and you're talented at your job and whatever that job may be, and you go to a new place, right? New language, right? Maybe, maybe the terminology is a little bit different in terms of what they use to be able to describe something. Uh, but at the end of the day, just like in football, there's nine routes, right? When you're passing the ball, nine routes. Different terminology, Joe, though, just like in work, in a workplace. And what's going to happen to some people, naturally, you're going to play slow. Why? Because you're thinking a little bit more. You're not comfortable yet. Eventually, though, the talented ones are going to be able to pick it up and it's going to show. And when they have to do their job, they look like the way they were before they even arrived, just like they were at their previous stop. I think that's what we're seeing right now with Spencer Rattler. I do think there's multiple layers as to why South Carolina hasn't had success on offense the way that some would have liked them to three games in. I do think in large part that it has more so to do with the fact that you had Georgia last week, Arkansas on the road week two, and you have a new quarterback out there that's trying to figure out things around him, trying to figure out how to play with these guys around him. And you have an offensive coordinator that's trying to figure out, okay, how do I utilize not just his talents, but the skill set guys that I have around him to be able to get the most out of him in this offense. Maybe that's why I'm optimistic that, we will see a change this week that we will start to see an offense start to click a little bit more. And if they don't, because I'm sure there's some people that are already writing off Marcus Satterfield already writing off this offense. As long as he's here, if they don't have success against Charlotte, then yes, grab the panic button, grab the panic button, slam, slam the panic button. You have to have success this weekend. I'm looking at, the insider forum on Gamecock Central. And there's actually, I mean, there's a couple threads. One says, 
If Satterfield doesn't destroy Charlotte's defense, he should be immediately fired. It's not going to – I just don't see it happening. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't – I don't agree or disagree. I just don't know what's going to happen. I will be extremely upset. I think I think Gamecock fans should be extremely upset if Satterfield doesn't, you know, run the table on Charlotte. I just think I think that I don't needs even to know happen. If it, and I don't know. Maybe, maybe the way I envision it's a little bit differently. And I'm not trying to be a wise ass by saying, okay, you know, destroy. Okay, what does that mean? Is that 30, 40 point win? Is that what? Oh, well, I, that I, is true. I mean, I don't know. I just want to see. I just want to see it. Is. I just want to see an offense that when you walk away from Saturday, obviously, first and foremost, you get the win. You have to get the win. Unless mm-hmm. South Carolina is in a shootout and we're talking, you know, 60 points or whatever, 66, 60 or whatever the case may be, and they lose in a shootout, I think a lot of people are going to be blaming the offense. Well, Unless that, that were to happen. If they, I'm saying if they were to lose. If they were to lose – the yeah. only way that you could probably turn around and say, you know what, hey, kind of like a like an old Miss situation from a couple of years ago, where Ole Miss basically mm-hmm. didn't play any defense, but their offense was like a Big Ten, uh, Big Twelve de- uh, offense with a Big Twelve defense. So, I, I just want to see an offense that utilizes the weapons they have, and you're not thinking every time they go out there, all right, it's going to be a three and out. You know, you have Jaheim Bell. You have Austin Stogner. You have Juice Wells. You have Xavier Leggett. You have Josh Van. You have Jacarion Joyner. Marshawn Lloyd. Christian Beal Smith, who we're still trying to figure out what his situation is. And oh, by the way, mm-hmm. you have Juju McDowell, who was phenomenal the other day in every opportunity that he had. You have talented guys on paper. From an offensive standpoint, at least, this is the most talented team South Carolina has had in quite some time. It's not even up yeah. for de- debate. No. But here's the issue, though. When the season is done, when the 2022 season is done, you want to be able to look back and say the 2022 season is one of the most productive offensive seasons South Carolina has had in quite some time. You don't want to look back on this year saying, man, that 2022 squad, it had so much skill and so many talented players on offense. What could have been? What could have been? So three games in, plenty of football still ahead of them. Two games coming up that you should be able to win. You need to find a way to address some of these concerns that Forget the outside noise. Forget the fans. Forget the media. Forget the boosters. Forget what mommy and daddy are saying and little Susie and Johnny's brother. No. Worry about what you guys have to do to be able to correct this. Because they're definitely feeling it internally. They don't need to go look at Twitter. They don't need to go see what's being said on the insider's forum on Gamecock Central with, oh, by the way, you can get 10 months for $1 right now. That's not that's not the issue right now. The issue is you're noticing it on the field. You're noticing it each series. And if you could answer some of those questions in terms of finding ways to utilize the talent that you do have, starting with Charlotte this weekend, then man, this could be a special team. This really can, Nick. And if they can get things rolling in the right direction after these two weeks, when you go to Kentucky, that makes that game a hell of a lot more interesting than Mm -hmm. I think some feel right now. I still feel like even today, even after what we saw against Georgia, that South Carolina can beat Kentucky. But, But if you don't do anything from an offensive standpoint that makes you feel good, about the direction that this offense is heading in. I don't know how you can feel good about Kentucky. I don't know how you can feel good about Tennessee, Florida. Heck, even throw Vanderbilt in there. This is a very big weekend 
Very big weekend. And it's not just about getting the win. That's a given. You need to be able to feel good about your offense. And from a defense standpoint, get healthy. Get healthy. Not all those guys are going to be 100%, but you got to be able to get healthy these next two weeks. And if guys are banged up, here's your time to shine. Here's your time to shine at the defensive end spot, at the edge, outside linebacker, safety, corner, nickel, all these guys that are banged up right now. Here's your time to shine. So, all right, keep go back to offense. Corey Rucker has been practicing. Hopefully we'll see that young man this week, if not next week. You have to find ways to stick out from the rest of the pack like Nick Eamon Worry's been doing, who leads the country in solo tackles. Some of that has to do with the fact that you're not getting off blocks on the perimeter. That, that's already been discussed. You need guys to rise to the occasion this week from a defensive standpoint. So, you know, offensively, again, confidence this weekend. Confidence, confidence, confidence. Confidence as a play caller, confidence in terms of what you guys are doing as an offense, believing in the scheme, believing in one another, and then defensively building that depth, guys that just want to go out there and make plays. If those two things don't happen this weekend, I can't sit here and say, what, a third of the way into the season once we get past this week, four games in, that I like where South Carolina is headed in the direction this season. I know it's a long year and anything can happen, but what should make you feel that way if those two things can't be addressed this weekend? No, and I agree. I mean, when you look at – so I have the AP poll pulled up right now. And when you look at South Carolina's schedule – they don't have a lot of games where they can really work on work on things. Like really use those games to find the offense, you know, figure it out a little bit. I think of Charlotte and SC State as games that are like that. They can beat they can get ready this week, go in and find a rhythm and really use that to improve the rest of the season. Because let's go through this AP poll really quick. Well, number one, Georgia. We just played them. All right, number five, Clemson. They're at the end of the season. Number eight, Kentucky, later in the season. Number 10, Arkansas, already played. Number 11, Tennessee, later in the season. Then you go down, number 20, Florida, later in the season. Texas A&M, later in the season, 23. That's the schedule you have. That is the schedule that the University of South Carolina has. So these games are so important. Because you said it's a given. They need to be wins. But if they don't play well this weekend against Charlotte, I don't have confidence going up against Texas A&M. I don't have any confidence going into Florida or later on Clemson if it's still going that way. And even, like you said, even Vandy. I mean, it begins to feel how it did last year. You know, we squeaked by Vandy. So... Um, they have to figure it out right here. And I, you know, I'm not going to say that it needs, the win needs to be to some certain degree that I don't know about, like you said, I don't know about destroy or what. It definitely needs to be a solid win. And I'd like to see South Carolina's offense put a good amount of points on the board just to show that they can, just to have the confidence that they can do it. Um, even though it might be against the 129th worst defense in college football. But just show it. If you can't do it against them, you probably can't do it against many others. So, well, we'll see this weekend against Charlotte. And one other thing to mention about Charlotte this weekend that we're going to see from South Carolina, especially when you talk about having guys that are banged up in the secondary, having some of that pass rush that's not – the same right now without having a guy like Jordan Strawn out there. You need to be able to be prepared for Charlotte to pass on you. I mean, they have three talented guys out there. Uh, Grant Dubas, you also have Elijah Spencer, and then Henry uh, Rutledge. Those three guys have had some really, really good games to start the year. Um, I, I say all that because I want to just give you guys a heads up as to what you could expect this weekend. Um, 
Dubas, he, he has, what, five touchdowns through the first four games. I think that's second in the NCAA. Keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on where he is when he's out there on the field. Um, we're going to wrap things up, though, Nick. I got to head on in. Got to listen to go talk to Mac Jones and the Patriots as they get ready to take on Lamar Jackson and the uh, Ravens this weekend. Um, I'm also hoping to be able to catch up with Kevin Harris. I had a chance to speak with Kevin last week. Neat little story. Kevin was at his locker, and him and I were just talking briefly. And Robert Kraft walks by, the owner of the Patriots. And it was the first time that I had ever, you know, introduced myself. We, we talked briefly, and um, he asked me where I was coming from. I said, oh, I'm from I'm a, I'm a local guy here, but I came from South Carolina. I was covering this guy, and I pointed behind me to Kevin Harris. And he kind of just smiled, and because uh, I told him, I said, "You have a you have a good one in this guy, Mister Kraft." And uh, Mister Kraft looked back at me, looked at Kevin, just smiling, and says, "We think we have something special here with this one." So, um, that was pretty neat. That's that awesome. was pretty neat. So, that's so Mister, cool. yeah, it was it was a neat experience, and uh, Mister Kraft was able to uh, get the game ball presented to him after. Patriots won this past weekend. This is five hundredth career game, and I bring that up because, look, I understand the Patriots, but. Mr. Kraft um, has done a lot for the NFL, especially during the lockout. He was big with being able to make that thing happen so that there was a season. So he's done a lot for the game. He's done a lot for the game. Yeah, I don't really know much. Honestly, I don't know much about Robert Kraft. You know, you're the Boston guy. I'm from I'm from D.C., so I, I had a whole different experience with pro football. It's all good, man. We had some up. hockey. We had, we had some hockey yesterday. I know you're a. Oh you were yeah. A, uh, oh yeah. I saw. Capital. Hey, I was. You were covering hockey. I was. You. I saw yeah. you. I saw. I know you. you're a Capitals guy. Get to go see uh, B- Big Z Zidane Chara, who will one day be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. No question about it. And we'll have his number retired. Yeah, former former Capitals former Capitals legend Zidane Chara. Oh, hockey. <laughs> If you're still listening to this, people, I mean, there's probably like five hockey listeners down in South Carolina. We got to get the hockey guys off here. You know what? If you're listening to this podcast, you've made it all the way to the end of the show. Tweet at me your favorite hockey team. I know Hayden Hurst is a big hockey guy. He's a Penguins guy. That's the only oh. negative thing I could say about Hayden Hurst. He's a Penguins guy. At least he likes the sport, though. Big Cox hockey supporter. I'll give him that. He's that, a big well, Cox hockey can, supporter. We can both get behind that one. As a yep. former former. Gamecock hockey broadcaster. I need to go back. I need to go back for a game sometime yeah. soon. Well, I tried Dana to. Bears, I'm trying to get Marcus to too. Dana Beers is going to be back in town, taking his visit to South Carolina. I believe the weekend of the Tennessee game and that Friday night, cock hockey. They have a game against the Vols, so maybe that will be a good opportunity to get Dana Beers out there as well. But Nick, always good talking with you, buddy. We will uh, do it again next week, and uh, hopefully. We're talking about a Gamecock win, and hopefully we're talking about a much better offensive performance in comparison to what we saw this past week against Georgia. Again, guys, be sure to leave us a five-star review, nice little comment as well, and spread the word to other Gamecock fans, friends, and anyone else you want to tell about Believe in South Carolina. That's going to do it for this week's show. We will see you next week right here on Believe in South Carolina. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.